Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 978 of Lockdown Raptors for Monday, July the 5th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, And of course, you can find the podcast on all of your favorite podcast providers. Please do the thing that each app asks you to do to support the podcast you like, whether it's following, subscribing, rating, reviewing, telling a friend, all that good stuff. It's very much appreciated. Today's show is brought to you by Spotify Green Room. Download the app and join me this week, probably on Friday. Uh, we'll figure out a hard time, but pencil in Friday for a, a Green Room this week and get in on the action. All right. On today's show, I'm playing a bit of catch-up, so if you didn't notice, last week's episodes were mostly pre-recorded. I recorded like five episodes of the podcast Monday and Tuesday and had them leak out over the course of the week. Hope people enjoyed them. We had a lot of t- fun going through the different draft prospects and, uh, you know, d- diving deep on the most likely guys to go to the Raptors at four. Still going to do a couple more of those profiles, uh, namely Scotty Barnes we haven't gotten to yet. So we'll get Scotty Barnes in probably this week sometime. But this week we're also going to do a lot of trade stuff. Uh, the Cavs guys from Lockdown Cavs, Evan and Chris, are going to join me tomorrow. We're going to talk about Jared Allen. We're going to talk about trading up for the three pick. It's going to be an interesting one. Uh, we'll have a few more episodes of that ilk over the course of the next week or two. But today, it is sort of a news roundup and also a Canada basketball roundup because that was the big story in hoops over the weekend if you are located in Canada. And it was a bit of a bummer. And so we're going to talk about Canada's loss to the Czech Republic in the semis of the Olympic qualifying tournament out in Victoria, a tournament that was basically designed for Canada to win and they fall short once again, missing the Olympics. Uh, We'll also dig into Jalen Harris, who since last I recorded, was suspended for a year for violating the league's anti-drug program, uh, which I have some thoughts on. We'll get to that in the final segment. But joining me now, I can't think of really anyone better than someone who's been steeped in the Canada basketball stuff for the last little while with his wonderful work at North Courts and the CBC. It's our pal, Big V, Big CBC, Big Lavender, all the other titles that you know and love. It's Vivek Jacob. What's going on, buddy? Not much. Just uh, still in recovery from that big exit by the Canada men's basketball team. Obviously a huge disappointment after all the excitement and hype that's been built up with the NBA guys getting more involved. And, you know, the tournament being in Victoria, you thought everything was set up for this team to get it done and get to the Olympics. But unfortunately, that was not the case. And obviously, uh, if Canada didn't need uh, a further kick up the behind, Czech Republic went on to demolish Greece. So, you know, you kind of feel like if you get past that semifinal, you, you could have been there. Damn you, Blake Schilb. Uh, yeah. I guess will be the name we'll be yelling out for the rest of time. Uh, definitely worse, I would say, than the Venezuela loss in 2015. Even though that loss felt like more of a sure win for Canada going in, this one was... Uh, a real punch in the nuts, especially because the tournament was in Canada. And it, again, it, it kind of seemed like everything was lining up. Greece didn't have Giannis. You know, the, the Turkish team didn't perform terribly well either. 
It just felt like it was there for them, and it was not, and that's a big bummer. So, uh, I, I guess where do we even start with this, Vivek? You know, again, we, we'll typically dive into Raptors stuff on the podcast, but you know, when Canada basketball stuff arises, especially with Nick Nurse being involved, it warrants some time. And you know, frankly, the Raptors aren't doing much yet. Sign Masai, and we can talk about Masai. Uh, but we'll <laughs> dig into Canada basketball here for the first couple segments before getting to Jalen Harris. I guess for you, like, what's your sort of prevailing takeaway after the tournament? Do you feel kind of despondent are you at a loss are you sort of looking at this as an opportunity wasted maybe the end of an era in a lot of ways um, with some of the guys you know Corey Joseph for example who's kind of been a mainstay during this first era of this first sort of decade I guess of Canada having you know deep NBA talent and all that you know Tristan Thompson wasn't there Kelly Olenek wasn't there those are kind of the other staples of that era but you know Andrew Wiggins of course too is now deep into his career it does, in a lot of ways, feel like the end of an era for a certain wave of Team Canada. Are you feeling melancholic about that at all? Like, what's your sort of overall feeling after the tournament going forward, looking ahead to the next 10 years of Canada basketball? Um, you know, is there optimism? Is there, are you upset? Is it lost opportunity? How are you overall feeling about the loss in the tournament to the Czechs? Yeah, I think it's a major lost opportunity because for me, when I think back to 2015 in Mexico City and losing to Venezuela in that semifinals, to me, that was supposed to be the beginning. And when you think about qualifying for the Olympics and building the program up, you have to think about the sponsorships, uh, you know, things like putting in the money that they did to host the tournament in Victoria. Like there's a lot of costs that this program uh, has incurred over the past couple of years to really build it up and in the hopes that they would be at the Olympics. And now that's not the case. And, and so this to me is just a major setback because to me, this was in the hopes of making up for that lost time. And now to, to know that you're not going to be there uh, until at least 2024, it, it hurts for sure. And you think of a guy like Corey Joseph, as you mentioned, you know, this, this would have been a perfect send off. Uh, you think about the guards that could potentially be in play for 2024. It, it's a decent chance that he doesn't make that roster. So I think what Nick nurse said is very important. There has to be a core group that is committed, committed throughout this process now to get to 2024, because mm-hmm. as we've seen with Czech Republic and even with Greece in that first game, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't smooth sailing. They had to figure it out in the second half. And so I think you have to have some level of continuity, chemistry, understanding of the FIBA game. I think that's something that hurt Canada in this tournament, especially going up against the more experienced teams. And then obviously, you know, we talk about uh, the depth that the NBA talent brought to the table, but the reality is it was only at a couple of positions. And at that Mm -hmm. one center spot, you think about the five guys who were missing, Kelly Olenek, Tristan Thompson, Kem Birch, Chris Boucher, Brandon Clark. You have two out of those five guys. You're probably winning that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, it was a huge disappointment. I, I, there's no other way to sugarcoat it. It was absolutely a wasted opportunity to advance to where the sort of goal posts have been for a long time now you know it's not really been about just kind of being in the conversation and having a shot at advancing or you know having success in the the lesser tournaments or the lead-up tournaments it is about the olympics now and that was seriously a letdown uh, uh, over the weekend i I don't know how how else you put it (laughs) i i also though 
don't quite feel totally despondent about it. And hear me out on this. I, I think mm-hmm. for me, it's this is not some you know. I'm trying to find like an example to compare it to. I'm thinking about like you know international soccer, for example, where sometimes you'll have a national team come along that really only has like a two tournament window because maybe they have a transcendent player on their team, but who isn't going to be around forever, and you don't know what the next era is going to be. You know, it's a brief, lasting golden age, for example, and you know you have to make good on your time. I you know I think kind of Belgium is going through this right now. They might have a full pipeline of, of players, and so maybe it's a, an example that falls short, but. You know, they have this golden age. They haven't been able to capitalize on it. They lose in the, the quarterfinals at the Euros and all that stuff, and they continue to fall short. And that is a huge disappointment and a wasted opportunity, and you're wasting the the primes of Kevin De Bruyne and all of that. I don't think Canada's in that situation, and I kind of think in 10 years we might look back and say, oh, wow, actually, the real sort of time for this program was the 2020s, because... Yes, the first decade of having deep NBA talent, the first overall picks in Wiggins and Bennett from the the last decade or so, it was nice, but the team was never fully loaded. It was never, you know, insulated against having guys not not play. It was a team that was flawed and, you know, the, the depth of the positions was not there. I think as we kind of move into this next cycle, the next two Olympic cycles here, we're going to see the more sort of reliable NBA talent just because of the sheer volume of guys in the league. And even if you are missing some guys like they were in this tournament, you still have eight NBA players on the roster or 10 NBA players on the roster and you're able to cobble together a good team. And hopefully a lot of those guys have played together in the past and whatnot. And then the lower levels as well, when you're thinking about the FIBA Americas and you're thinking about the qualifiers that are played during the NBA season, the Raptors are not the Raptors team. Canada has been kind of mining along that talent pool as well. And you see things like the Canadian Elite Basketball League and, you know, the youth sports uh, sort of coaching tree kind of expanding and having a lot of guys who are moving up to higher positions. Like the, the grassroots level of Canada basketball is so much stronger that they are more insulated against those big absences and are able to weather the downtimes and, and the, the times where the NBA players can't be there a little bit better. And so I feel really optimistic about what the next 10 years are going to be. Yes, it sucks that they're kind of on this conveyor belt of waiting to start and get the momentum rolling. But I do think once it kind of gets going, things will be as good as they've ever been. And we'll look back at this 10-year stretch from 2010 to 2020 and think, oh, actually, that was just sort of the lead up. And really, we're making hay here in the 2020s. Am I being too it's fine about this all, Vivek? Or do you see some logic to that thinking? I see some logic to your thinking in terms of, hey, if Jamal and Shay are there for 2024 uh, in mm-hmm. that buildup and, you, you know, then the outlook of the team completely changes. And then obviously the other talent that comes along, I, I totally agree that, you know, that could be a great time for the men's uh, team. But for me, in terms of the lost opportunity, when you look at these other teams that have this institutional knowledge and understand how the FIBA game works and can work their way through some of these difficult moments in games, that's where the lost opportunity kicks in for me because I'm saying, hey, if you were able to take advantage of that opportunity in 2015, you're at the 2016 Olympics, you really get a feel for it, then you're saying, hey, okay, how do we work ourselves to get a medal? Now, this situation, again, you're saying, okay, let's figure it out. Let's get it done. Let's go to the Olympics. Let's gain that experience and be better prepared for the next time. And again, you've missed out. So it's like you're still in that position where you still have 
these basic lessons to learn. And so you're still in catch up mode. And so sure. that experience, especially for this team that was extremely young, you look at a guy like Lugans Dort and Nikhil Alexander Walker, what that Olympic experience could have done for them going forward. Right. Losing that is where I think you've missed out on a major opportunity to get this program potentially to a gold medal level sooner rather than later. Yeah, that's totally fair. It is, like I said, it's the kind of conveyor belt of waiting to get going and when the hell you're going to get off the conveyor belt and start running. And, you know, it can't last forever. <laughs> you know, if they don't qualify for 2024, my God, sound the alarms, because at that point, you've got everybody basically in their prime from this sort of second wave of Canadian talent. I guess I'm just not so sort of lost at the idea that, oh, no, the Andrew Wiggins, Corey Joseph, Tristan Thompson era didn't get it done. Uh, you know, I, I think <laughs> the next era is going to prove to be a lot more um, successful, frankly. I, I would still predict that in this decade, there are two Olympics this decade, I would predict that they win a medal uh, by the time 2028's Olympics are over. And yeah, that's like a lot. You know, the earth could melt by then and there aren't Olympics anymore. That There's lots that could get in the way, but... I still feel reasonably optimistic. I, d I do want to dive into the specifics of that Czech Republic game because uh, we should probably talk about what an amazing game that was just as like a basketball observer and dig into some of the stuff. We can talk about Nick Nurse's late game coaching maneuvers and whatnot and the attempted uh, two-point version of the OG play and all that with Trey Lyles. We'll get to that in a second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar who are making the best tasting protein bars in the world. And right now... I've been teasing, you know, sometimes they have these uh, these flavors that pop up on the site. They are their limited time flavors. They, you know, they're, they're oh, once in a while they'll pop up. Uh, I can tell you right now, one of the ones I've been teasing recently is on the site now. Built Grasshopper Cookie. It tastes like a mint cookie sold to you by a girl guide or whoever sells those cookies. I guess you get them at the grocery store when you're walking in sometimes. Either way. It's fantastic. I've had a few of them, and they're amazing. 150 calories, 17 grams of protein, just 5 grams of sugar in the Built Grasshopper Cookie. Highly, highly recommend you go to the site and check that out right now. Of course, they got their other flavors as well, from Cherry Barcia to Cookies and Cream to a whole bunch of other fantastic flavors. Mint Brownie's my favorite, which tells you why I like the Mint Cookie one as well. Uh, so go to the site right now and order up. Go to Built built.com excuse me the website has changed it's built.com and use the promo code locked 15 to get 15 percent off your first order that is the promo code locked 15 at built.com for built bar grasshopper cookie all right we're going to continue on here i would talk a little bit more about that canada czech republic game but first just a reminder that the road to the nba finals is brought to you by michelope ultra at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories we can all enjoy the postseason a little bit more this season and the finals start tomorrow on the road to the finals. Go and check out Locked On Suns and Locked On Bucks. Brendan Clean and Kane Pittman have you covered. It's the finals matchup of the podcast. They are fantastic. I uh, really, really love both of those guys. Have had them both on this here podcast as well in the past. Go and support those shows as they cover you on the road to the finals brought to you by Michelob Ultra. All right, Vivek, um, that game on Sunday was a delight, uh, just as like a pure sporting event and a spectacle. It was uh, outstanding. I had a great time watching it. I was huddled around a laptop using my cousin's data on his phone, uh, his shout out to Unlimited Work Data, um, <laughs> and we were watching it on the laptop. 
and it was a little bit jumpy. It was a little bit slow and delayed, but it didn't matter. The game was incredible, uh, and it's just a damn shame the Raptors. I keep calling them the Raptors. Team Canada ended up losing. Uh, what were your sort of prevailing takeaways from that game? Did you have any thoughts on Nick Nurse's late game tactics? Did you, uh, you know, have anything that you think okay that probably could have swung the game one way or another? What were your overall thoughts on that game in particular? Less so the sort of big picture stuff we've been talking about. Uh, well, I think there, if there's one thing that maybe I was a bit frustrated about was when they played China, who also had a size advantage, and obviously there's a, a major disparity in the talent, uh, there seemed to be this willingness to say, okay, well, you've got size, but we're going to attack you and get you in foul trouble, and then we'll see how sure. you deal with that. And I, I didn't think there was enough of that uh, against uh, the Czech Republic, and you know, credit to the, the Czechs. I thought, I thought they had a great game plan, but there was a lot of drive and kick. And I think there was a lot of wariness of the size factor for the Czech Republic. And obviously playing two seven footers can do that. And Balvin and Vesely, like it, they made it tough for sure. But I just think there could have been uh, more of an attack minded approach, uh, especially, you know, before the comeback, I think there were five of 26 from three. And at that point, Blake Schlib was six of seven from three. So, <laughs> um, so I think that is one thing that I looked at and said, okay, you know, I, I know the drive and kick is a huge part of Nick Nurse's system, but it, I think you've really got, got to go at these bodies here because, because uh, let's face it, it, they were they were making it tough, and that would, Canada needed that without the outside shot. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that that's probably the one thing I look at uh, as a weakness. Uh, they they did a great job to make that run to come back in it. And that's one thing you always expect from Nick Nurse. Like he never thinks the game is over and his team is absolutely going to grind. And then once you see that full court press come out, you know, it's on. Um, <laughs> and maybe if there's one other thing that I'll criticize, it's that overtime stretch where Canada took the lead 99, 94. And there yeah. were a couple possessions where it seemed like for all the effort, that they expended to get back into it and then to take the lead, there was a bit of a let up. And so I'm thinking, Hey, let's just call a timeout here. Let's make mm-hmm. sure we take care of business. But before you knew it, uh, you know, the, the check were up one hundred one ninety nine, And then you need that Andrew Wiggins shot to tie it before um, the Sadoransky madness. That shot was uh, absolutely insane, by the way. Oh, and, and Lugens sure... Dort. Sorry, I, I have <laughs> yeah, to throw no. that in there. Lugens Dort yeah. not getting enough playing time was definitely an issue. Yeah, yeah. Um, just 25 minutes for him, uh, just under. I mean, he didn't shoot terribly well, just two of six, but his defense is just so incredible. And I mean, yes, he's like six five in body, but in spirit, he plays like he's seven foot eight. I think mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's he's just a monster, just an absolute uh, fridge of a man, and. Yeah, it really did feel like they maybe only had like five guys they could trust down the stretch of that game. Like I was thinking like Alexander Walker, Dort, Barrett, Wiggins, and then I guess insert big here was kind of the move. (laughs) And I guess that's what they did. Um, You know, it's a shame that Dwight Powell fouled out in 23 minutes because I kind of felt like I trusted him a little bit more than Trey Lyles in that spot. Um, We're going to have to talk about that unsportsmanlike foul. Yeah, yeah. It was like the the elbow that wasn't actually an elbow. Yeah, yeah. FIBA refs, man, <laughs> they uh, <laughs> they certainly have a way about them. It was real, real disappointing. I, I don't even know. It's like, go off, King. <laughs> no, that that was just so ludicrous because Trey Lyles is coming over to block a shot, 
mm-hmm. as he's in the air, he's sort of upended and he's falling to the floor. So obviously he has no control of his limbs at this point and he hits Balvin in the back of the head and falls to the floor. Mm-hmm. It was clearly accidental. I don't know if you were able to listen in to the referees discussing yeah. whether it should be an unsportsmanlike foul and the main like referee, right? Yeah, the main yeah. referee is specifically looking at the moment that Trey Lyles' hand hits Balvin's head and saying, there, there, there's the contact, it's to the head, therefore it's unsportsmanlike. And yeah. you can see the other referee and you can hear him explain, hey, that's, part of the, that's a natural part of the play because he went to block the shot, he's mm-hmm. falling over out of control, and it's just incidental contact. And then... When the main referee tries to confirm it again, he's like, hey, can we get another opinion? Because he, he, can, he can sense that, hey, we're about to make a terrible mistake here. Yeah. And then the other yeah. referee comes over and just agrees with it. Yeah. Not great, man. Uh, <laughs> just FIBA refs, man. I, I don't know. It, it's, uh, it's an ongoing thing. And it, it's really, really difficult to make me long for Scott Foster. But, boy, I was like, hey, you know, Scott Foster might have had a better read on this play. Maybe not. Maybe that's believing too much in Scott Foster. But, yeah, that was uh, not awesome and a really crappy way to sort of sewer their chances. Uh, you know, I mean, they came back from it, I guess. But, uh, but you know, it would be nice if they didn't have to come back from that. Um, yeah, it, it was crappy. I don't know. It, it, I enjoyed Nick Nurse's play in the final play, even though maybe I wouldn't have drawn that up for Trey Lyles. Uh, <laughs> I appreciated the play design quite a bit. It was very similar, I guess, to the OG play, obviously for a two instead of a three, but you get that screen uh, sort of leaks the guy out on the baseline. It's, uh, you know, it's Nick Nurse special. Did you have any sort of gripes with Nick Nurse's approach uh, to the late game tactics there? You know, I thought really you can't draw something up better than that, even though, yes, Lyles missed it and he had had a bad game. I think he shot one of seven on the night. Um, really hard to have any sort of gripe with the way Nick Nurse approached that final play. It's just a damn shame they were in that position to begin with. Yeah, no, I, I have no issues with the play. And, and we've seen that play run for Marcus All quite a few times as well. Yeah, that, yeah. That, and so, you know, it's just tough. It, you think about that moment. It's a wide open look that goes in and out. And that's following up a Sadoransky prayer over Lugan's door that goes in off the glass that he obviously did not call uh, bank on. So mm-hmm. that's the game sometimes. And it sucks that it that's what followed the Andrew Wiggins heroics. I mean, mm-hmm. that is like one of the craziest 45, maybe the craziest 45 second stretch. You maybe put that up there with like Tracy McGrady going off. Yeah. For the it's Rockets. Like the, it, it reminded me of the Raptors comeback against the Pacers when they extended mm. their streak to 12 back in 2020. Yeah. That's a good call. That's a good call. Yeah. And so for Andrew Wiggins to get the and one Nikhil Alexander Walker to get the steal and, Man, a fadeaway three <laughs> like that to tie. And from Wiggins I, of all people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he redeemed himself, man. Hey, I, he I don't did, think yeah. we're going to be slandering Andrew Wiggins for a very long time. So, no, still not uh, uh, putting him into trades for Pascal Siakam on the trade machine, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure some people will now after that shot. <laughs> yeah, no, that was incredible. And I love the way he played throughout the tournament and mm-hmm. the calmness that he had. Even, you know, you. You knew when Canada needed that two to tie even later 
yeah. uh, that everyone's legs were just dead. Yeah. And he was like, hey, someone just set, set a high screen for me. I'll be good. He got to his spot, just pulled up calmly, knocked it down, tie game. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, this guy, like, yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, all, yeah. All the props in the world to him. And his length was all over the place when they were sort of swarming at the end there too and then doing the full court press. He was essential to that. So, mm. yeah, a uh, good one for Wiggins. It, it was a, it, it's definitely a bummer that we don't get to see more of the summer of like Nikhil Alexander-Walker kind of having one of those level ups that you see um, in sometimes in that international play where a guy kind of realizes some things he maybe hasn't realized about himself in the NBA just yet. Seemed like that was happening with Nikhil, but um, hopefully he gets to continue that for the national team going forward for a very, very long time because he is quite young, as is much of this team. Uh, my last note on this is uh, Trey Bell Haynes played four minutes in the tournament, was a plus four, had two points aboard and two assists on perfect shooting. Play more Trey Bell Haynes, baby. Um, and that's my customary CEBL propaganda for the day. Uh, we will continue on, and we're going to talk about Jalen Harris to round up the show in just one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online, And also, you can do that for the NBA Finals, the Stanley Cup playoffs. If they uh, end tonight, then you can't bet anymore. But then you can bet on next NHL season, futures and all that stuff as well. UFC, MMA, Wimbledon, all the stuff's going on there. Before the next pitch, serve face-off, tip-off, whatever it is to begin the sporting event of choice that you like, go to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest info. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to and through the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device and sign up today to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, meaning if you put in 100 bucks, you get 150 bucks in your account to play with off the top. That is an awesome deal at BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Big V. Uh, Jalen Harris, let's get to the Raptors news of the last few days here. I was uh, having a little nap at the cottage on uh, on Thursday. It was nice. It was relaxing. And I wake up to see the news that Jalen Harris has been suspended for a year from the NBA for uh, failing a drug test under the league's anti-drug program, a drug of abuse to be more specific, so not a performance enhancer. Uh, I just, I have a lot of thoughts on this, Big V. I think it's stupid, first of all. Uh, I think it really shows the NBA's ass in a lot of ways, where their priorities lie. Uh, What was your reaction to the news that Jalen Harris will not be with the Raptors next season and may, you know, he's an undrafted or a second round rookie who didn't have a contract for next season. This may have ended his NBA career, which is deeply, deeply unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, first off, uh, I feel for him uh, contractually, you, you know, that's a huge dream to accomplish to get to the NBA. And obviously he had those awesome moments, most specifically against Dallas at home, uh, that sweet move around Luka Doncic. And, and so uh, you feel for him that he's not going to be on an NBA court next season. And then, you know, you just hope that he's okay. First of all, uh, yeah. that uh, he's, not dealing with a serious issue. You kind of hope that this is a one-off and then you obviously hate that if this is a one-off that's caused a one-year uh, suspension, that's really, really tough to deal with. And it just shows, you know, we've seen it with the Olympics as well. Uh, so uh, there's just a long, long way to go in terms of understanding uh, how to address these problems, how to address these issues. And, um, there's got to be way more uh, 
player emphasis when it comes to these things and understanding the player's side of things, uh, the athlete's side of things rather. And, you know, I, th- I think the world is just a lot different from when these rules were created. And so mm-hmm. you've got to review that and understand that and make changes accordingly. Yeah, it really is uh, like a David Stern-ass rule, it seems. Um, and it, it just... I, I just... It, it's such a... I, I'm trying to have... I'm having a hard time articulating this without getting very angry and yelly. Just because... Who? Why is it anybody's business what these players are doing in their in their downtime? Really, like if they're not hurting anybody, then it really is nobody's business. And obviously, you hope for the best for Jalen Harrison. You hope that if there is some support or help needed there, that he'd be getting it. But the NBA just you know declaratively banning guys for a year for testing positive for a drug drug of abuse does not really suggest that there's going to be a lot of support there. If there were supports in place, it would be, okay, here's a suspension and here's some you know mandatory counseling or whatever it is, and we'll help you work through this. And it feels like a, a real sort of blind spot on the NBAPA's part. It feels like, again, just like an arcane rule kicking around from like the 1980s when you know the NBA obviously had deeper issues with this sort of thing. It's just not the case anymore, and opinions have changed, and viewpoints have opened up, and it just, it's so wild to me that in, you know, a country society where, like, freedom is, like, the number one thing, people losing their minds because they can't not wear a mask, and that's some sort of perceived slight against their freedoms, that, like, using drugs is considered, like, this, oh, but if everything, be free with everything and do whatever you want, except drugs. Drugs, bad. No, drugs that mean you don't get to have a living anymore. It's just, it's so, there's just no sort of um, logic behind it whatsoever. And so, yeah, I think it sucks. I would really hope that the Raptors are going to offer Jalen Harris support through this, and I would hope that they don't get, you know, sort of thrown off the idea of bringing him back in a year's time when his eligibility will be, you'll be able to, you know, reapply for league eligibility and all that stuff, uh, and hopefully they can bring him back on the contract they were probably going to give him for this year. It, you know, it, it's it really sucks that a guy who really grinded at the end of the season and turned what didn't look like much of a career into, okay, maybe this guy's going to stick around. Maybe he's got some stuff to offer, you know, just through his great play at the end of the year. It sucks that now his chance at making generational wealth is potentially at the window because of some insane Ronald Reagan ass rule. <laughs> it's, uh, it's hugely disappointing and uh, a big time bummer in terms of, you know, what really matters here is not how it affects the Raptors necessarily, but it is a Raptors podcast. So we should address that part as well. Um, how do you think this sort of affects the Raptors plans going forward here? Does it change much? I mean, he was probably penciled in to be like the third string two guard going into the season, uh, you know, all things being equal. You know, where do you sort of view this affecting the Raptors on the floor for the next year? Again, with the caveat that this is probably not the most important thing to be talking about. Yeah, definitely insignificant uh, big picture. But I think for the Raptors, I probably would have slotted into getting consistent minutes at the G League level and working his way up from there uh, because I, I do envision Gary Trent Jr. being re-signed and uh, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with the draft pick. We'll see what happens with Kyle Lowry. So uh, I, either way, I do anticipate uh that to be a busy uh, rotation for the Raptors. Um, I think with Jalen Harris, yeah, it, it would have been great for him to just consistently get minutes there. And then, you know, who knows? It could have potentially been like a Norman Powell season that we saw, uh, sure. you know, w- where he spends that time in the G League, crushes it there. And it's like, okay, we can't keep this kid down here anymore. And then he comes on 
to the big club and gets the job done. But that's yeah, obviously sure. not going to be the case anymore. Yeah. Um, it's so dumb. I really can't. Uh, I actually am curious, like, if there's, I guess this is probably be a question for Blake and maybe not thinking about it during segment three of the podcast, but I do wonder if the G League has, like, a separate sort of eligibility. Would he be able to play in the G League versus um, not the NBA? I would guess not because of the affiliations, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe there's a way he can latch on with the G League and play for a year, and hopefully, if not, he can get a job somewhere else and, and at least sort of make some money and, and stay fresh, hopefully in Europe or something like that. That'd be great to see for him at least um and yeah i would say in terms of like impact yeah it doesn't alter the raptors plans this offseason markedly i wouldn't say you know it's obviously a guy that might have had some back-end rotation minutes you know who you got to fill those minutes for now i would say it makes it more likely probably that they use both of their second round picks on guys who will play domestically as opposed to maybe getting a draft and stash guy or something like that maybe they want that sort of infusion into their g league and their summer league team and all that stuff so um that would just be my sort of knee-jerk reaction as to how it affects their draft plans um that's a good call yeah so we'll see but um yeah it sucks and the nba should be taking a long hard look at this insanely stupid rule and uh the world at large should maybe stop being so punitive about drugs a crime that uh really should not be a crime in a lot of cases so um that is going to do it i think for today's episode big v anything you want to plug well, you can look forward to the latest North Courts episode that'll come out this Wednesday, and we will be breaking down more of uh, the Canada men's team's failure to qualify for the Olympics. But we will also be talking about a very exciting women's team that will be there. Yes. And why you should be looking forward uh, to watching them play in Tokyo. So it's not all doom and gloom for Canada from the basketball perspective. There is a women's team to look forward to that is ranked in the FIBA rankings and are very good and will have a real shot at a medal. And uh, other than that, you know, you can check out my usual stuff uh, for complex. And then I've also got an Andre de Grasse feature for CBC coming out this week. So you can look forward to that. That might actually also be coming out on the Wednesday. Uh, Call it big Wednesday, if you will. Uh, (laughs) I'm not going to call it that, but I'm so happy you went there. Uh, and then from a tennis perspective i mean i'm not writing anything about this but you know we're waiting for big moments for across all these sports obviously we saw bianca andrescu win the 2019 uh u.s open and we've got denis shapovalov who's just gotten into the quarters of wimbledon yeah and he's going to be going up against karen kachanov so he's going to have a great shot at the semis and then, of course, it's most likely going to be Djokovic. So, uh, <laughs> but the, hey, th- the that would be of an... darkness and doom and exactly. sadness. Yeah, uh. but I think that would be an incredible moment for Chapo. You know, we've been waiting for Felix uh, or Chapo on the men's side to crack through uh, and make the second week of a Grand Slam, and they they've got it done here, both of them. So we'll see how deep they can go. Absolutely. Uh, and I know you'll be covering it or, or tweeting about it, at least from the tennis perspective. You'll be covering the Canada basketball and the women's team and all that wonderfully capably as well over at North Courts with uh, your all-star team of Javon Shepard and Megan McPeak. Really just uh, a trio of superstars. It's fantastic to watch. I 
love it. Um, that's going to do it for today's show. Of course, thank you so much to everybody for tuning in. Again, go back and listen to last week's draft profiles on Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, Jonathan Kaminga, and Jalen Green, and the wonderful guests we had over there as well. Uh, you know, We've seen a nice little pump of the numbers recently. People are excited about the draft, as it turns out. So uh, thank you for uh, tuning into the show and supporting the podcast and helping us out. And we'll, of course, continue on with the draft. Now just 24 days away, we'll have plenty of coverage on the pick, what the Raptors will do with it, trades, and all that good stuff in the days and weeks ahead and uh, that'll do it we'll talk to you again on tuesday as we're going to talk about the cleveland cavaliers and potential trade options there for the raptors and maybe just maybe could the raptors poach jared allen if evan mobley goes to the cavaliers at three that's kind of my favorite offseason scenario is mobley gets taken by the Cavs. the Cavs say we're okay moving on from jared allen and the raptors take jalen suggs or jalen green fourth and then sign jared allen into space baby you're cooking with that uh we'll talk about that with evan and chris on tomorrow's podcast but until then thank you so much we'll talk to you then uh bye-bye